Space. Uh, thanks so much to everyone. Uh, we're going to do some something interesting today. Uh, Will, if you could put up the first slide for the sermon uh, or teaching today, that'd be great. Thank you kindly. And uh, today we're going to uh, jump right in to uh, this message or, or uh, time together. It's called "You Asked for It." Now, uh, you know, if you depending on how you read stuff like that, it could be a bit abrasive. Is there the other one? Oh, it's both there. Whoa, you are good. Wow. Okay, thank you, sir. Uh, anyways, uh, so today you asked for it. We uh, we actually didn't have a lot of questions submitted uh, this year for this, but uh, anyways, here we are. So that's good. Uh, so just we're just going to jump right in, and thanks to those who did submit questions. We have enough for today, but uh, I do thank those who did submit. Uh, I realized when preparing this week that these questions... Uh, that have been we've done this uh, three t- at least three times maybe one or two times more than that over the years and I realized when preparing this week that these questions have actually cost us over the years when I've given responses. Um, I don't know how else to say it, but I guess some people didn't really like what I said and uh, they kind of disappeared afterwards. And uh, you know I do my best to base my uh, responses in scripture. They're not just my uh, meanderings. I don't just think it's not like I had chili last night and I'm just like throwing out whatever comes to mind out of my discomfort. But uh, anyways, uh, so I realized that when preparing, sometimes when we have faith-based questions, why don't you listen to this? Sometimes when we have faith-based questions, we aren't prepared for the responses. Sometimes our spiritual maturity is at a level, no matter our age, it's not an age thing, Sometimes our spiritual maturity is at a level that isn't looking for a response, but we're looking for agreement to our viewpoint. Some of us are actually looking for validation from someone like me. Now, I understand why we would do that. I, I would do that, too. Like, it's not, uh, I, I totally get it. But the truth is, we need to be comfortable in our skin of what God is calling us to do and calling us to say. And so uh, I think, I don't, I, I, sometimes I wonder if people think I, I enjoy these moments, like, woo, party time. No, I actually don't, I actually don't enjoy it at all. But uh, the truth is, is that what God puts on our heart, we need to stand on the ground of Scripture in, right? If he's placed something on our heart and it's backed up in Scripture, well, that's what we say. And it's, the Scripture tells us not to be on sinking sand and not to be swayed by the things of this world. We're to stand our ground. We talked about that last month. We're to stand our ground and give account for what God's Word says. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know about you, but it's kind of like when you, I, actually this is not me at all, but it's kind of like when you prepare your world-famous Christmas cookies for your friends and family. Everyone loves them. Everybody. You give this gift, the Christmas cookie gift, to a new friend, and maybe they're a baker, a real one. They could say, yes, the cookies were good, but maybe consider adding or changing this element to your preparation. Your choice is to ignore and disregard what's been said to you, or to consider the critique and see how you can apply it to your craft moving forward. Right? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Open our hearts and minds to your word today. Lord, these are not my words. These are the words of Scripture that I'll be sharing in response to the questions. Lord, there are no bad questions or silly questions in this uh, sort of situation. They're all valued and valuable. But Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us clearly 
Bring us into one mind and one spirit as we come together and uh, look at these questions and open your word. Father, I pray you be with me as I respond, and you be with our congregation as they listen here in Espinola, Little Current, and those watching at home. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. All right. Now, I know some of you are, are going to be upset right now. Get ready. I'm going to give some homework. Uh, where, where did Pastor Chris go? Is he not back yet? He's talking? Oh, he's stapling. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, he's talking? Well, that's not a good, sorry, that's my fault, that's my fault. All right, uh, Pastor Chris, whenever he's ready, he's going to bring in uh, what is called a, it's called, a knowing your, it's called Knowing Your Spiritual Self. It's a document. It's three pages, and here's the deal. I want everyone to fill it out. Everybody. Even you, Aiden, even you, yes. The struggle's real. Even the grade fives got to fill it out. All right. And uh, I want everyone to fill it out. And there's a there's a part a part at the end where you can kind of just with some scissors or just rip it. I don't know, just tear it off. And uh, yes, so tear it off. And you can you can submit the whole thing, or you can just tear off the bottom and submit your score. All right. And what we're trying to do is assess the spiritual health of our church. So that's what we're doing. All right. So there's no wrong answers. It's okay. All the directions are in here. There's scriptures for you to reference. But basically, here's the first question. It says this. So you would rate it uh, one to five. So it would just be based on whoever you are. I'm happy and content with my spiritual development and journey at this time. One, never, never, I'm never happy with it. Two, sometimes. Three, often. Four, usually. Five, always. And you'd put whatever number corresponds. All right? If it's confusing, ask your spouse. If you don't have a spouse, you can ask me. All right? If your spouse is confused, ask a board member. All right? There we go. We'll throw the board under the bus for this one. All right. There you go. And I also have, uh, we're actually going to be dealing with this in uh, 2024 uh, at our business meeting. Uh, I haven't told anyone, but there you go. There's your notice. Um, the uh, Pentecostals of Canada have revised some of their theological statements. And so I've been, I'm going to make that available for everyone. It's, it happened last year, so it was quite a while ago. But I've, I just wanted to include that today, and uh, you'll know a little bit more, and you can take a look at that and see where the PAOC, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, is coming from. Whenever Pastor Chris is done talking out there, he will come in, and the ushers will hand out the uh, assessments. All right? So there you go. I'd like the, you to fill this out uh, between now and Sunday, December 10th. So that's uh, two weeks today, if my math is correct. All right? If we all together in Espanola and uh, in Little Current, Pastor Andy has these assessments for you. Uh, in Espanola, Little Current, and if you're watching online, you got to email me. you got to do a little extra work. you got to email me, jason at northernlife.church, and I will send you a copy. Uh, but I want you to submit this, and it's going to help us grow moving forward and give me insight how to lead our congregation in the coming months and years. All right? Uh, I don't give handouts like this often, so if you could please submit it to me. Don't not submit it. It could be your Christmas gift to me, a submitted sheet, all right? If you're, uh, if you're like me, you should probably fill this out before you leave today, all right? And don't, but if you're very responsible, of course, uh, the rest of you, I trust to take it home and fill it out. Uh, this document uh, actually leads to our first question. So when you're finished with it, fill it out, and you can just rip off the bottom or you can submit the whole thing. I don't care. You don't have to put your name on it. Just put it in the Dropbox in Espanola or a little current here. Uh, or just hand it to me, whatever works, all right? But get it in. Okay, there we go. Here's our first question. Let's jump in today. Here we go. Uh, can you put the first one on the screen there, Will, actually? Thank you. 
It says this, I don't feel the physical presence of the Holy Spirit. What should I feel? Let me read Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. I think it's the next slide. Uh, Will, if you could take a look there. Well, whatever, I'll just read it. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let me read one, one more time. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There are over 31,000 verses in the Bible. This verse was the most cited, most referenced verse in 2020. During COVID. Long time ago, yeah. (laughs) Oh boy, you're in for it. Let me read it again. Isaiah 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I hope that's an encouragement for you today. What should you feel? Well, I really don't know what we should feel. I would say that when I don't feel the Holy Spirit with me, I would declare a verse like this over my life. I uh, can't always feel the wind, but I know it's there. Right? And sometimes it's like, woo, crazy. Other times, not so much. So we could just declare it over life. Maybe you need to shout it. Some people... You know, some people talk to themselves in the mirror. Maybe, i got to be careful here. Uh, maybe you need to just holler at the mirror at your house. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes stories help me. So can I read a couple true stories today to everyone? If you say no, I'm going to do it anyways, so... Uh, in the summer of 19, because I got nothing else to say. Uh, in the summer of 1967, a friend of this is an author saying. Actually, this comes. I brought the book. This comes from a book called Power Evangelism. It's one of my favorite books. It's by John Wimber. I don't know if you remember him. He was before my time. But anyways, there you go. It comes from this book. In the summer of 1967, a friend of mine. So this is a friend of John's. Scott attended a students retreat at Airhood Springs, California, the headquarters of Campus Crusade for Christ International. At the time, a 19-year-old UCLA UCLA student, he had been a committed Christian for five years, but his spiritual life had recently stalled. He was looking for more from God, something to empower his life and give clearer purpose. Okay, he's our kind of people. All right. On arriving, he discovered that he was to sleep in the hotel basement on a makeshift cot. I don't know if that's happened to you, but that's not fun, all right? Over 700 students from the United States and Canada jammed these facilities. It was not to be a Hollywood holiday. It was in California, so there you go. But that suited him well. It created an atmosphere of excitement and expectancy. If all these students came from hundreds and even thousands of miles away, surely God would show up. The theme of the conference was personal evangelism. Toward the end of the week, the students were to be transported on buses to local beaches where going two by two, they would put into action what they had been taught. They would evangelize complete strangers. Scott was apprehensive about going out, especially since he had been raised on the beaches of Southern California and was fearful of embarrassing encounters with old surfing buddies. Also, the idea of confronting complete strangers with a planned presentation became more frightening as the week progressed. This would make me want to run for the hills, just so you know. At least he soon discovered they were not going to his home beach. 
The evening before they went out, Dr. William Bright, the president of Campus Crusade at the time, presented a teaching about the Holy Spirit. His points were very simple. We cannot successfully live the Christian life in our own strength. The Father has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. We are commanded in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit. For years, Scott had been taught not to focus on the Holy Spirit lest he weaken his relationship with Christ or fall into the excess of the Pentecostals. This could be dangerous, leading possibly to deceit by the devil, even speaking in tongues. Sorry, that was my emphasis. Besides, he heard many times our primary purpose should be fulfilling the Great Commission. An emphasis on the Holy Spirit might detract us from the important task. But Dr. Bright's talk stirred Scott deeply, allaying many of his fears. Dr. Bright said that only through the power of the Holy Spirit could we fulfill the Great Commission. Perhaps, Scott mused, this is the key to the refreshing I seek. That night, Scott could hardly sleep, intermittently awakening and thinking about uh, the Dr. Bright's words, this guy that spoke. By 1 o'clock, he was wide-eyed, over, uh, staring at the tangle of pipes and electrical tubing overhead, sensing God calling him to open his heart fully to the Holy Spirit. So he slipped out of bed, dressed, and found a quiet place under a lonely palm tree on the hotel grounds near an illuminated swimming pool. Unsure of what to expect, his hunger for God motivated him to pray. Holy Spirit, he pleaded. I have been living in my own strength too long. Now I yield every part of my life to you. Come and fill me. What happened next was outside of anything Scott had been taught about how God works. First, he felt a rush of power come over his body, a warm, tingling feeling he never had before, uh, ever before experienced. With that rush came a peace and urging to worship God. As he began worshiping, he was soon speaking in tongues, though initially he was unsure of what it was. After praying and worshiping for an hour, he opened his Bible and began reading, and reading, and reading late into the night. Scripture came alive. The very Word of God leapt off the pages. The next day, knowing staff members were not sympathetic to a charismatic phenomena, <laughs> or, oh, I won't say, I was going to say there's a bunch of Baptists there, but we'll just leave it alone. All right, that was... <laughs> Okay, where are we? Uh, was it, sorry, I got sidetracked. Was it real, he wondered. It had to be. He was a different person. Though confused about the meaning of what happened as the time uh, to go to the beaches approached, he noticed the gospel uh, burned in his heart, pressing every part of his being with an urgency to tell others about Jesus Christ. Scott boarded the bus without any fear, though he was still not looking forward to talking with strangers. But now he sensed his experience the night before would help him on the beaches. His partner, Jim, a student at the University of North Carolina, was apprehensive. Scott knew that the Holy Spirit was telling him to take the lead on the beach. He quietly prayed as the bus snaked its way across the freeways leading to Newport Beach. Newport Beach is typically uh, typical of many beaches in Southern California. Sand covered with thousands of young people flocked around blasting radios, sharing the latest gospel, telling, uh, gospel, the latest gossip, telling jokes, and watching other boys and girls walk by. <laughs> Out into this mass of oily, tanning flesh went the God Squads. Don't call your group God Squads. Just This is from the 70s. Anyways, Scott and Jim first approached two teenage boys, asking if they would mind participating in a religious survey. Soon, they were talking about Jesus Christ to these two teenage boys. Then two girls joined the conversation. Then another three boys. Scott had quickly put the four spiritual laws aside and was telling his, the teenagers about their sins and God's grace. 
As soon as he spoke, he received insights about the teenager's sexual sins, problems with parents, problems at school that were right on target. Supernaturally knowing what their greatest needs were, he spoke about God's love and righteousness in a way that opened their hearts. Jim stood by, astonished, the other, the other person. Within 30 minutes, several of the teenagers were weeping, falling to their knees, repenting of their sins, and turning to Christ. Before the day was over, at least a dozen young people made Christian commitments. In several instances, students who initially joined the conversation only to mock and ridicule Scott ended on their faces, weeping, trembling, and repenting. All right. Whatever term one applies to what happened to Scott when he was overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit under the palm tree, whether it was filled, baptized, empowered, the result was power evangelism. So this is us. This is, this is our first thought today. This is us. This guy, Scott, he was looking for more from God. He was looking for more from God. Something to empower his life and give, give clearer purpose. Isn't that how you would want to describe your life? That I am looking for more from God. Something to empower his life and give clearer purpose. There's the three teachings mentioned here on Holy Spirit. We cannot successfully live the Christian life in our own strength. This is why some of us feel continually weak. Is we're actually just living in our own strength. And we're not truly relying on the Spirit Here's, our, here's the next thing that's taught. God the Father has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. Some of us are like this uh, person, Scott, in the story. We've devalued Holy Spirit and his role in our lives. This guy, Scott, he actually he was taught, and so he believed, that if he spent too much time thinking about the Holy Spirit, he would actually take away from his relationship in Christ. Do you know something about the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Do you know something? By paying one attention, you actually pay all attention. You cannot pay attention to one and take away from the other two. It's impossible. They are connected in a way that we can't separate them. So if you always, someone would say, do you pray to Jesus? Well, fine. Pray to Jesus. It's all good. Do you pray to God? Okay, go ahead. You know, pray to the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. I don't care which one you pick. You're not taken away from one and given to the other. That's not how it works. You know, it's like when you spend too much time with one kid, maybe the other one gets upset. Well, it doesn't work like that. That's not our relationship with God. When we spend time with one, we're actually spending time with all three persons of the Godhead. God the Father has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. Again, some of us are like this person in this story. We've devalued Holy Spirit and his role in our lives. We've pushed him away. Oh, no, I need to focus on Jesus. I'm just going to, I'm not going to do that Holy Spirit stuff right now. We are commanded in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not optional for believers. It's, it's not. It's part of our Christian journey, part of our faith in Christ that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll talk more about this later. I have one more story. I like reading uh, stories about Canadian uh, works of the Spirit. Anyone else agree? It's nice in the States, but I don't care about them, okay? I like to read both Canadians. Anyways, there's this uh, author. I'm re reading this book right now. I've only gotten through the first couple chapters. It's called Roger, or by Roger Helen called Pursuing God's Presence. This is a story that comes from this book. A few years ago, a pastor colleague invited me to speak at a renewal conference sponsored by his Baptist church. 
As we chatted, he painfully recalled how his drive for over 20 grinding years had been to run and grow his church, study leadership, and do the ministry. Fatigue and frustration choked his energy, and his methods of ministry strangled and failed him in his early 50s. He burned out while Parkinson's barged in. He descended into an abyss to navigate the dark night of the soul with stiff and shaking muscles. Traumatized by disappointment and despair like a jettison booster rocket, this hammered pastor nearly ditched the ministry and his hope in God. Though he exuded integrity as a faithful spiritual leader, that did not influence God's fairness calculus. Like Job, who suffered without solutions, this tenacious pastor chose to hang on and haggle with God. He evaluated his life and leadership for over a year, the landscape of which was like a, tor a tornado-torn Oklahoma town. He exampled what Rabbi Abraham Heschel observed in this, this quote, Faith like Job's cannot be shaken because it, because it is the result of having been shaken. He emerged surrendered, liberated from his old drive, this pastor, resolved to seek God's presence and invited his congregation along to pursue God's presence with him. Friday morning, I arrived at the church to meet, the, to meet him with his, uh, and his staff and pray for the conference. The theme was God's presence. As I entered the auditorium and stood at the rear, we began to chat, and I sensed instantly God's presence. It was so strong that I whispered, I need to sit down. I sat on a white bench in silent reverence and looked around. A holy hush permeated the auditorium. As I choked back tears, I commented, God's presence is here. The pastor replied, yeah, I know. Many people say that when they come here. That sacred presence lavished the weekend conference. The last session of the weekend renewal conference occurred on a Sunday morning. I arrived an hour early to join the pastor and the staff in his office for pre-service prayer. As we prayed, God's presence settled in as a morning fog for about half an hour. The Spirit led our scripture-fed prayers. I did not want to leave, but I had to. I was the speaker that morning. <laughs> as I ventured into the auditorium, a familiar quality permeated the people. When several people greeted or prayed for me, I felt laser-pierced. They were hosts of God's presence. I teetered some and sat down. An unction carried our worship in my message and shuddered our souls. While there, were, while there, we anointed the pastor with oil and prayed God would heal him of his Parkinson's disease. Unfortunately, God has not healed him yet. And two years later, to make matters worse, as he was out for a bike ride, a truck stopped to let two deer cross the road, and he careened into a ditch to avoid the truck from his vehicle. He suffered injuries to his neck, ribs, lungs, that required uh, traction to brace him upright for several months. He recovered. He and his church are rugged presence pioneers on a mission to clear a path to a clear path as a people of his presence led by his presence. So here we go. My prayer is that the individual, this is me speaking now. My prayer is that the individual who asked this question today about uh, drawing near to the Holy Spirit, I can't feel the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that the individual who asked this question and those who are in a similar place with, their, with, this, with the same kind of question, that you would join me in being resolved to seek God's presence. I, I, I've learned a few things about faith in my life. These are lessons I've learned on my own. Here's something I've learned. 
it's up to me to pursue the presence of God. I have to, if, if I'm just, and I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers, but for me, if I'm just waddling through life, going here, going there, you know, it's up to me to pursue God's presence. Now, here's, here's my commitment to everyone here. If you need a place to pray, worship, read God's word, spend time in God's presence, here's my promise to you. I will make our auditorium, in this room right here, available to you at any time of day, 24-7. Anytime, 24-7. We'll find someone to get you into this building to pray. If you say, Pastor, I want to come at 3 a.m., we'll do it. I'll just, just, for the people that can't sleep at night, you tell me and I'll get you to open the door. All right? Whoever you are. We'll find someone to get you into this building to pray. I've learned something. As you know, my kids are getting older. They are. They're not little babies anymore. They're, they're growing large. When you have younger kids, it's easy to live by the agenda of a young child. Have you noticed this? Right? They'll say, I want food. Well, they don't say it like that, but, you know, they, that's the idea. They say it like that? Okay. <laughs> I want to play games. It's playtime. I'm not listening to you. They want you to read them a book. They just scream for no reason. Right? We all know that. It's easy to live by the agenda of our little children instead of our agenda. Right? Here's something I do. Every day, I I try every day to spend the first hour of my day in prayer, worship, and speaking in tongues. That's what the first hour of my day looks like. Do I succeed every day? Nope. I'm not an early bird, so when, I, when do I do this? Pastor James, we all know you're not up at 5 or 6 doing this. When are you doing this? Well, I do it after the kids go to school. I get rid of them, and then I start my prayer time. So, sorry, guys. Now, I know someone is going to think, well, that's your job. It's easy for you. Yes, I have flexibility to do this because of my job, certainly. But I don't spend time with the Lord like this because it's my job. I do that because I love him. And I'm a son of God, a co-heir with Christ. That's why I spend time with him. And guess what? You are too. You are a son and daughter of the King of Kings. You are a co-heir with Christ. And you get to spend time with him too. All right? So those are just a few thoughts. But it's really, I really fall, I, I've shared these stories of people pursuing God's presence. I think of this pastor, I can really identify. I've been a pastor for, uh, I don't know, 15 something years, 16 years, I'm not even sure anymore. Anyway, it's not, like, not, not super long, but I know a lot of pastors in their 50s and they have a moment where they're like, what am I doing? And as I, I'm not really close to 50, but as I kind of point in that direction, age-wise, I think, what are we doing? The staff, Pastor Chris and Pastor Andy, they kind of hear when they, when they poke the bear if I didn't get enough sleep the night before and they're talking to me. And I'll, what are we doing? Because we need to point people to Jesus. We need to point people to his presence. That's, that's what our job is. All this other stuff, like we get caught up doing different things. That's why, that's why no one bugs me about things, certain things around the church because they know I don't even care about it sometimes. Like, you know what, like if the chairs are ugly, it's, you know what, okay, it's ugly. But, like, we're not going to lose sleep over it, all right? They don't, chairs don't save people. They just sit people. That's it, right? 
I spend time with them because I love them. That's my prayer for you. All right, let's jump on to some more questions here. I often hear, here's, our, here's another question. Oh, perfect. Will, you're on it. I often hear prayers asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do we not receive the Holy Spirit when we believe, trust, and follow Jesus? Do I not have the full Holy Spirit? Should not the prayer be, help me walk in step with the Holy Spirit, align my life choices with the Holy Spirit, live according to the Holy Spirit, etc.? So I've broken this into a few responses uh, for us today. Here's the first part. Do we not receive Holy Spirit when we believe, trust, and follow Jesus? I'm going to read two scriptures. The first one comes from Acts chapter 8, verse 14. It says this, Now when the apostles at, Jer- at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, For he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read another one here. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. And it happened uh, that while Apollos Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he replied, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with, uh, John baptized with the baptism of, of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So, why did I choose these two scriptures? Well, it's possible then that not everyone has received the Holy Spirit upon our salvation because it's in the bible now you may say well that's 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 impossible that the the spirit we see in other scriptures the spirit comes upon us when we receive yes i understand that but the bible jesus talks about being filled with the helper that's a second filling now this is what i would call pentecostal theology all right not everyone believes this you still go to heaven if you don't believe this, this is what I always say. It, we believe in Jesus. The rest of the stuff we can sort out, all right? So is it possible that, then that not everyone has received the Holy Spirit? Well, I think so because it shows it like that in Scripture. And you may say, well, you just need to read the Bible, and it would tell you that you've already received the Spirit. Well, let me pause there for a second. You, that may be your experience, and that's fine. But in my experience, everything needs to be taught. Now, don't ask me why. If we get five of us together and we all read one verse of the Bible, there's a chance we could have five different interpretations. In, in uh, Western, the Western world, the Western church, where we are right now, do you want to know why we know that there can be different interpretations? How many denominations are there? It's not a few, just so you know. In Canada, there's thousands. So we actually don't agree on a lot of things in the church. Now, I always say, hopefully we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and he's our only way to heaven. That's what I ask people from other denominations. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and he's the only way to heaven? And if they say yes, I'm like, okay, cool, man, let's go. If they say yes, but, I say, thank you very much, have a nice day. I say it nicely, I don't point fingers, but that's not the same thing. So it's possible then that, every, that not everyone has received the Spirit. If you, are, if you are filled, you will bear fruit. If you are filled with the Spirit, you will bear fruit. Pastor, how do you know when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's my response. You will bear fruit. 
Well, pastor, I don't bear any fruit. Yes, I know. It's okay to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's okay. If you are filled uh, by the Spirit, you will bear fruit. It may be a harsh reality, but it's what happens. Let me read it where it comes from. Galatians 5, some of you know it so well. Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So if you say, Pastor, how do you know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, if I don't see love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control in your life, I would say you need to read this passage and pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you. And the, and the great thing, I, was, I, I love this, because we're going to talk about joy and peace in the coming weeks. I love how there's no law against being joyful. I love that. Woo! You can just be joyful all the time, right? But this fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if you are filled with the Spirit, you will bear fruit. That's something we've deceived ourselves. Uh, you know, I know some of you know this, but uh, there's... Because we're Pentecostals, again, I'm going to talk about that in a bit. Because we're a Pentecostal church, over the years, it used to be that if you didn't speak in tongues, you weren't really considered a real Pentecostal, all right? The truth is, I don't really like that, all right? Because you can, be, you can speak in all kinds of gibberish and not have any of these things, right? So good luck. I don't care. Well, you can speak in whatever you want. But if you don't have these things, forget about it. In fact, the Bible says you can speak in tongues of men and angels. You can prophesy, but if you don't have love, you're just a clanging symbol. And those are nice ones, so you're not a nice symbol, all right? So here's our next question, or here's the next part. Do I not have the full spirit? Should not the prayer be, help me uh, walk in step with the Holy Spirit, align my life choices with the Holy Spirit, live according to the Holy Spirit? Uh, simply, yes, you have the full Holy Spirit. You do. All these prayer suggestions are appropriate and i'd invite any one of us to pray that in acts 2 verse 38 it says this and peter said to them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the lord our god calls to himself all right so here's uh here's the next question it's our last one for today Simply this, why do prayers in church often invite the Holy Spirit to come? Isn't it promised that when two or three are gathered, Jesus will be there? Additionally, the Holy Spirit is already in me and all believers. Why are we inviting someone to come who is already there? What the Holy Spirit does is very clear. Convict, comfort, instruct, guide, intercede, give power to witness and testify, etc. And can happen to you and for all believers at all times. What then is the purpose of such an invitation in the church service as sometimes it appears to be a desire for an experience. Uh, so again, I've broken this down into a few parts. So here's the first part. Why do prayers in church often invite the Holy Spirit to come? Uh, isn't it promised that when two or three are gathered, Jesus will be there? Yes, that's true. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, it says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So that's the first part. It's true. He does promise us that. Number two, additionally, the Holy Spirit is already in me and all believers. Why are we inviting someone to come who is already there? What the Holy Spirit does is very clear, and I've already read this, uh, and can happen to all, two and four all believers at all times. What then is the purpose of such an invitation in the church service? Okay, let's carry on. Why, uh, here's, here's my response. Uh, 
why wouldn't we invite the Holy Spirit to come? Why wouldn't we invite him to come? When I don't want to meet with someone and have a guest to my house, I don't ask them to come to meet me. I don't. When you're in love with someone, oof, oof. when you're in love with someone, you invite them to come meet you somewhere. You'd like to meet with them because you want to see them. You want to talk to them. You want to look and gaze upon their beauty. At its root, when I invite the Holy Spirit to come, I want him to feel welcome in our gathering. He is a person. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. I never want to take the presence of the Holy Spirit for granted. I have a few scriptures I'd like to share. Psalm 105 verse 4 says this, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face. Always. Psalm 63 verse 1, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 119, verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So when I say, come Holy Spirit, it's in an expression of a desire to seek Him. And we're called to do that in Scripture. Scripture is full of passages just like the ones I read. I want to make something clear to all of us, and this isn't in response to the question I just uh, shared, but I just want to make something clear. In our church, we have people from different church backgrounds. We have some from Catholic backgrounds, some from uh, mainline denominational backgrounds like United and Anglican in this country, some from other Protestant backgrounds, some from evangelical backgrounds. Now let me share something about my personal life. I'm the only person now in my side of the family that goes to a Pentecostal church. If you look at the Snyders, there's nobody else. It's just me. It's just that some of them go to church, not all of them, but some of them do. Catholic, Baptist, uh, whatever, all sorts of different ones. But I'm the only one that goes to a Pentecostal church. Now, conversely, if you look at Arlene's side of the family, unfor- well, not unfortunately, but they all go to Pentecostal churches, all of them, all right? I didn't grow up in a Pentecostal home, whatever that means. I didn't grow up in that home. But let me be clear. Number one, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who I am. And that's all that really matters. Do you know that denominations are names that humans give to things? That's why you don't see them in the Bible, because they don't exist. There's no denominations in Scripture, and there won't be in heaven either. If you were to label me by human standards, I'm a Pentecostal person. I'm a preacher, Pentecostal preacher-teacher. That's fine. I agree with the theology of the Pentecostal church and the things that are different about Pentecostal theology. I'm giving you the sheet so you can look through it. But some of the things that are different about Pentecostal theology is speaking in tongues and eschatology, the, what happens when Christ returns. I believe in, if you were looking for, uh, I believe in these things. So if you're looking for someone that believes Pentecostal theology, well, you found me. I hope you're okay with that. As long as I draw breath and pastor at this church, we will always seek 
the presence of God. We will. If you're tired of having the you know, times where we worship a bit longer or we have special gatherings where we ask people to come and pray and worship together and uh, maybe at other times we do some worship times or, oh, you know, it's just a lot of this, a lot of that. Well, get, <laughs> it's not going anywhere. It's because it's who I am. And if you don't like that, you can come talk to me about it, but that's, that's what God's called me to do, all right? Without the presence of God, I believe we are ineffective, and this is just a religious exercise. Do you know what religious people would do with me? They would abandon me a long time ago because I don't walk the right aisle. I don't wear the right clothes. I don't say the things that religious people say. I know that. Without the presence of God, I believe we are ineffective, and this is just a religious exercise. When will Here's a question you may think. When, when are you going to cool off about asking for the Holy Spirit to come? Well, here's my promise to you. This is when I'll cool off about asking the Holy Spirit to come. Acts 5, verse 14, it says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. That as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So when will I stop talking about some of these things? Again, this is nothing to do with the questions asked, but I felt my heart to share this today. When will I start, stop talking about these things? Well, when this is happening. Right? I, I, if you tell me, Pastor, I was walking through the mall the other day, and people were on the ground, and all of a sudden they jumped up and they were healed. Well, okay, now we're on to something. But until, until that day comes, we're going to keep inviting the Lord's presence a part of our times together. We need Him. Look at the world around us. I don't want to get all, you know, talk about things that we shouldn't talk about around here, in my opinion. But Lord, help us. We need some help around here. People don't even know which way they're turned these days. I don't know how to fix the problems of this world. But I know Jesus does. And so I'm going to continue to put my trust in him. I'm grateful to the individuals who asked these questions. Thank you so much. I believe they've highlighted something that the Holy Spirit wants to deal with today. And that's why I've kind of shifted into some different thoughts here. Here's one of them. Some of us are lazy when it comes to our relationship with God. And we actually don't listen to the Holy Spirit. That's some of us. Some of us believe the Spirit lives within us, but we don't walk in the power of the Spirit. We have head knowledge, but we haven't brought it to our hearts. Maybe because we are fearful. Maybe that's why. Some of us are innocent in all of this. We've never heard about the Holy Spirit and that God will fill us with his helper. Do you know that's who Jesus promised? Jesus promised a helper, an advocate. That's the Holy Spirit. He promised before he ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit would come. The one Jesus said would come is the Holy Spirit, so that we could do greater things than he. He actually says in Scripture, the Lord Jesus, that through the Spirit, that you and I would do greater things than Jesus did. Ooh, think about that for a second. This is one of my favorite passages these days. John 21, verse 25 says this. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. 
were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So what we know about Jesus and his work is, I believe, a small portion of what he actually did. We know who he is, what he was about, the things he did on this time on earth. That we know that he's with the Father, at the right hand of the Father right now in, in heaven. But the truth is, is that there's things that he did we don't even know about. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that little old you and me would do more than he did. Think about that. What a calling. What a destiny for us to actually walk in that faith. Okay, Holy Spirit, what are we going to do today? Who are you calling us to pray for, to encourage, to love, to share joy with? Do you know anyone that's, a good la- that's good at laughing? Like when they laugh, they're really good at it. Does anyone know people like that? Okay. You know, it's scientifically proven that laughter helps us, right? If you walk around like a frown, you know, a grumpy pants all the time, well, good luck. But if you actually laugh, it's good for your physical health, your emotional, spiritual health. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy is, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We just heard about it today. Jesus sent Holy Spirit so that little old you and me would do more than he did. Pastor Chris, would you help me and anyone else that's on the worship team that's able? So I want to pray today. I want us to come together. If we could actually stand up, and in a, in a moment I'm going to ask you to join hands. And we're just going to pray together today. And invite the Holy Spirit to come. In Little Current, I encourage you to... Uh, Maybe join hands with the people beside you and the people at the uh, table next to you in, in our uh, campus building there. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come once again. I've said this before, but I just feel today it's, it's appropriate to say. Uh, when we pray, come Holy Spirit, we're actually saying a prayer that's the oldest prayer in the church. Did you know that? They've been praying, the church has been praying, come Holy Spirit, for generations. Well, you guys are on top of it today. Let's pray. So God, today, I just thank you for every question submitted and the thoughtfulness and the courage it took for each person to share these questions. And as I've mentioned here at the end, Lord, I actually believe that through the questions and through the study for today, you've revealed to us that there is a lack in our reliance on the Spirit and our willingness to be filled with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and to do whatever the Spirit instructs of us. Father, I pray that you would forgive us. If we've ever ignored the Holy Spirit or not done what Holy Spirit has asked of us, Father, I pray that you'd forgive us that you deliver us from that. God, if we've ever grieved the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would somehow find mercy on us by ignoring him, his personhood, by not doing what he's asked of us, whether that's at a, a church level, as a body, or as individual people here. So Lord, the next time, whether it's even as we quickly leave from this place, as the Spirit nudges us and says, pray for this person, uh, go and do this or that. 
Lord, I pray that we'd be obedient to what you're calling us to. And God, I just pray we'd be people of the Spirit. I pray that when we have guests here, that as they come into our main auditorium here, there would be a sense of the presence, your presence, just like in that uh, story of that church in Canada, that Baptist church. <laughs> Father, I just pray that your presence would permeate our gatherings. Lord, I'm, we're not looking for an experience or a show or anything like that. We're just looking for your presence to fall in this place. We're looking for you to set a fire at Northern Life Church. We know that when we start a fire, people gather. And that's all we're looking for, Lord. Lord, some of us are physically tired. There's situations and the stage in life we're in just exhausts us. We've got nothing left to give. God, I pray that your spirit would renew us physically today. Energize us. Heal us of our brokenness. Lord, for those of us that are like uh, the, the guy in the first story, Lord, I pray that we would not rely on our own strength, but we'd look to your strength to accomplish what you're calling us to do each and every day. Lord, for some of us, you're calling us to just go to work and do our job. That's what you're calling us to do right now. Lord, for some of us, you're calling us to love and care for our children. That's it. Lord, for others, you're calling us to pray for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. Nothing more, nothing less. But to intercede on their behalf. So God, whatever you're calling us to, I pray that we'd respond in kind and do what you've set out and called us to do. And Lord, over the next few months, we begin to see a ripple effect of our decisions of simply following, following your commands in our lives. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like. For some of us, Lord, I know you are calling us to go to bed early, to get a good night's sleep. Lord, for some of us, you're calling us to uh, be a little bit more healthy in the words we use and the choices we make throughout our life, what we eat, what we say, what we do. Lord, it doesn't have to be these big spiritual mountain things that we envision you asking us. You're just asking us to follow in obedience to you. That's it. God, I just pray whatever you're calling us to do, we would do it in Jesus' name. So God, I just thank you for the unity in this room, the expression of unity through uh, holding hands and just joining together as God's family and saying, okay, God, now's the time. We're going to step up and we're going to do what you're calling us to do, whatever that may be. Father, I pray that as Pastor Chris leads us, your spirit would sink deep these words, the scriptures that we've shared and the message that's been shared today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, 